Hi, everyone. This podcast is just a few minutes with me, Karen Deerwester from FamilyTimeInc.com. I wanted to share something that I've been thinking about for a bit, and I hope that it helps relieve some of the stress and frustration of everyday parenting struggles. I will say up front, though, that I'm still trying to figure out the right words and the right balance to this question of who's in charge. Ah, They all revolve around control, collaboration and power, and especially love. A few years back, I wrote an article called "Mm, Setting Limits, First Act with Love. It's on the Family Time, Inc. website. And in that article, I say something like... um, Wise parents move forward with a firm commitment to what they want and how they will accomplish it. Yes, parents in charge are a positive force for good in the world. Now, I'm calling parents in charge um, as, as ones that are kind of controlling and directing the situation. And yet in other articles written at the same time, I know that I don't want parents working in opposition with children, that power struggles come from both parties, parents and children feeling out of power, unpowerful. Um, And so I've always said that instead of feeling like it's us against them, that we have to have an idea of affecting change and positive motion in our um, experiences with young children as being collaborative and, and as having a sense of we are both on the same side. So I'm really still trying to figure out um, how parents and children hold just the right amount of power to, um, to allow both to grow and learn. And um, so, so bear with me as I make this um, process a little bit public for you. Um, but anyways, in a recent NPR article on secrets of the Maya supermom, they discuss that Western culture thinks that it's um, either a choice of adults in charge or the child in charge. And clearly that's where we get in trouble. What the Mayan researcher and psychologist says is that that's not true for Mayan mothers, that kids and adults collaborate together to accomplish a common goal. And and I know that that word collaborate feels a little soft and negotiable um, and can open the door to a lot of chaos and, um, and, and, and the thing that we don't want and that we've seen a crisis of is children ruling houses, children becoming little dictators. But that's where I think the, the power and balance um, becomes obvious. Um, when one, one person, whether it's the parent or the child, moves into dictator role, um, then there's a... Uh, a win-lose situation that's going to trip up parents and children almost every time. So what I think is essential to the message that we want to encourage here um, is the message of see me, hear me, love me. If it's always parents in charge, then the children will feel unseen and unheard. 
But the other is also true. If it's child in charge all the time, then parents feel unseen and unheard. Um, and, and somebody is losing, somebody is struggling, somebody is frustrated, somebody is going to become angry, and then you're going to go into the downward power sp spiral. So um, I do talk about um, power struggles being between two powerless people in another article that's on familytimeinc.com. Um, that power struggles themselves will always be a win-lose or a lose-lose situation because the winner will have power over the loser. Um, the winner wins. It's a power game. Um, and, and if that's the case, there will never be a win-win. So um, because I think that generally parents are smarter than their children, they are more experienced than children, I think it is okay that parents be the ones um, that take the ultimate responsibility to guide and to teach children. Um, not always. Grown-ups learn from children all the time. But I want parents to feel strong and capable in, in a very appropriate kind of power, a power that brings comfort, um, safety, security, and also unconditional love to a child um, so that there isn't this grasping at control, this grasping at um, how am I gonna how am I gonna fight this? Um, I think there is a way to become, collaborative and peaceful, but not by just saying everything goes, but by each person being seen, heard, and loved um, where they are in that moment, in that situation. So non-coercive power, I believe, is seeing, hearing, and loving the child in exactly the moment they're in. A child's struggle will be real, um, even if it's only about shoes and socks or um, not wanting to be buckled into car seats, vegetables, or bedtimes. Um, but children need our help um, without having to give up or lose their power, their voice, their choices. Um, now again, can't mean we give them choices all the time. We've watched that go into really absurd um, parent-child, teacher-child communication. Um, and we don't want that. Um, but we also want to give children that safety net when the power that they're exerting becomes irrational or non-rational. Um, it may be that the child is just in the emotional storm of juggling, thinking, and feeling. But what's also interesting is in that NPR Mayan article, the researcher says that the children have less of this resistant behavior. They're not fighting their parents over um, being told what to do, think, to do because the children feel like they're contributing and partnering um, in the flow of a family, of work and chores, of responsibility, and having choices over what makes them happy as well. Um, I think that if we don't back children into corners, um, children um, have a more responsible voice of, of how to express themselves and what their needs and wants really are. Um, so what if um, some of the things that we as Western American parents are perceiving as those developmental stresses that are inevitable, um, that that fight for independence for the almost twos or the three-year-olds um, 
isn't um, a developmental requirement of an age and a stage or of, of becoming a person? What if some of that um, is could be avoided if we give children um, voice and responsibility to to not run everything, but but over the things that um, they can make choices about, uh, whether to go swimming on a certain day, whether um, they want to eat everything on their plate. Um, I don't think the children sh- can should be able to stay up as long as they want. I think that our bodies play tricks on us when it comes to realizing when we're tired or when we need a rest, managing our bodies. Our routines, all of that is is a social emotional skill that that I think takes grown up assistance with. So finding that balance um, is an ongoing challenge, but I think it's really one of the most important things for grown ups, whether you're teachers or parents, um, grandparents, babysitters. I think all of that is is really part of living happily with young children. So my question becomes for this podcast, can we become more collaborative and less controlling without giving children more power than they can handle or without turning those those children um, into little dictators, um, running households that are that are making parents crazy and unhappy um, and wanting to run away from home? We don't want the children running away from home and we don't want the parents running away from home either. So um, here's here's where I believe we can start. Um, first, um, I think it starts with our attitude, our perception, our intention, how we approach the situation. And I think that it's really important that we believe that we're on the same side as the child, um, that you're on the same side as your child, that your child knows that you're there to help, to teach, to guide through mistakes, through difficult moments. As, as we've called it on other podcasts, it's the fairy dust on the tantrums. It's the, it's the ability to, to embrace the messiness of children learning and growing and their struggles um, and holding them as a sacred part of growing without trying to um, overfix them or over control them or overmanage them for our children. Second, I think it's really important that um, we try to connect with a child's need to feel seen, heard, and loved. So that even when we can't give a child everything that they want or hopefully um, whatever they're demanding, we don't we don't want to even get to the demanding moment, but you know, children can be demanding. <laughs> they can try to hold us hostage to to certain conditions. So um, I think the way to to connect with that is is to just acknowledge the child's emotions, acknowledge what they say they want and they feel, and help them understand um, the storm that's going on inside them, even when you can't give them everything that they're asking for. Third, um, and this is this is the big long process here, is how do we become the best we can be at understanding 
what is needed in a particular moment. Um, this is us as the grown-ups using our very best emotional intelligence. This is us pulling in all of our cognitive skills, weighing options, possibilities, creative alternatives. Um, this is us knowing and figuring out because because you can't know in advance it's trial and error and we're going to make as many mistakes or almost as many mistakes as the children make um, but helping to read a situation to know um, do we need more time to breathe do we need time to try again do we need time to think about what else will make this moment better for everyone better for the child better for the parent better for anyone else that's in the mix that, that process of problem solving and emotional intelligence, I believe is what other educators and psychologists are calling emotion coaching. It's, it's looking at observing the moment and trying to find win-win solutions that get us through and make us feel satisfied and content um, that, that we came through it in the best possible way on any given day. And, and there will be times when we're hungry, angry, tired, um, and lonely. Remember that? H-A-L-T, HALT, hungry, ang angry, lonely, tired. Those are the, those are the moments that, that can't be, um, they're, not, they're just not going to be problem solved with the heightened finesse that we have when we're rested and, and comfortable. Um, those are going to be the just get through it by the seat of your pants moments. But um, you can always revisit that after and, and, and talk to your child about um, that was the best we could do and I'm glad that's behind us and let's start again fresh tomorrow. And then the fourth thing that I have on my list here is um, to learn together, parent and child, teacher and child. I mean, I'm learning with two-year-olds every day still. Um, I can't know all the answers and all of the strategies or all of the discoveries that we're gonna make until I live in those moments with young children. So if you can give yourself permission to learn together um, what works and what doesn't work for both of you, for your family, for, for your child and for yourself, and for moving together forward, I think that's the real secret. So I hope um, that we can become more collaborative with kids um, but in a way that isn't reckless or, or um, lazy. Um, you know, children demand a lot of us, and I, and I use the word demand there differently than I used it earlier. Children, um, we have to be rested. We have to bring our best selves um, because, because they're going to challenge us. They're going to, to hold up mirrors to us and, and ask us if we've ever seen this before and can we do it better. So um, I think we can. And um, so in answer to the question at the beginning of the podcast, um, what I, what I want to know is who's in charge and, and is it possible to move towards collaborative parenting instead of control parenting. I hope so. Have a great week. And our podcast next week will be on traveling with children. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as we get close to summer. Bye, everyone. Have a great week.